cried um, mm. because and I asked him, well, why are you crying? And he said, because I don't want anybody to, to kill you. We've been taught to hate ourselves mm -hmm. and thus hate others. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized I can't continue doing that. This is not a journey you can take on yourself. Mm -hmm. This is not a journey that you can go with alone. Mm -hmm. um, there will be times where you will be alone and you will have to confront your own demons. Mm -hmm. It's pointless going at it alone. Mm -hmm. Because never in your life will you be alone. No. Never. Even if you shut yourself in your own room, mm -hmm. um, you will still hear the, you hear the birds outside, you will hear the cars passing by. You are, you are not an entity by yourself. Mm -hmm. you, you are part of a community. This is really a, a personal shout out to because every now and then I'll get a message on Facebook from from a random person and they say, "I love what you say," or "Thank you for what for doing what you're doing," or "Thank you for for hearing me out." Mm -hmm. And there's those types of things that keeps me going. It's like I did make the right choice. My life is a life of service, mm -hmm. and you don't need a fancy title. You don't need a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. What you really need to live a life of service is. is willing heart and love and so I'm out whenever when everybody whenever somebody comes up to me the first message I always give to them is the message of love mm -hmm. love others love yourself love what you do because of my work somebody's going to go to bed tonight and they're not gonna say gosh I wish I wasn't born this way or gosh I wish I could change I don't know. I don't know what the audience thinks, but to me, it's really about the people. He's here. Luis Velos, ladies and gentlemen. Bright eyes. A broad smile. 18 years old. How does a kid with so many hurdles to scale achieve this much so soon and positively impact the lives of so many? And he has only just begun. We're about to get the details. My name is Neville D'Angelo. You are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky little problems. We play a few games, too, and attract the remarkable characters of three classic books. Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again. All of which you can get in your favorite format from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Nine months ago, I was told I ought to meet Luis Velos. Who is Luis Velos, I asked. He's a very bright high school student, I was told, a recent immigrant who attends Woodrow Wilson High School in East Dallas, and who has founded two student organizations, serves on two boards, 
co-founded the Magdaleno Leadership Institute focused on youth leadership development and civic engagement that enable young people to excel in school and pursue higher education opportunities. Hmm. I'd like to meet him, I said. In that time, nine months, he has graduated from high school, earned a full-ride scholarship to Southern Methodist University, and has just been awarded the National Student Advocate of the Year out of a pool of 500 nominees from across the nation. Well, today we are going to meet him together. Along this leg of our journey, I'll share with you a passage. Let me tell you why. No doubt you have heard of Malala Yousafzai, a Pakistani girl shot point-blank in the head for advocating education for girls. The fact that she is alive, fighting to survive, and fully intent on returning to school is in itself amazing. The fact that the Taliban remains intent on killing her for advocating that girls be allowed to have an education is beyond any of the worst words I know. I am certainly not in the forefront here. Much of the world is outraged. And yet, yes, and yet, amidst this outrage, there is a lot of noise. Yes, noise. It is incredible to me that there are folks who still believe that God doesn't want some to be educated, that some are not worth being educated, that they have the wherewithal to choose who should and should not be educated, and would at the point of violence or legislation or obstruction prevent certain groups from being educated. Malala Yousafzai was shot point-blank in the head, for being wise beyond her years enough to stand up for all the girls of her community. In the midst of our heroism, there is a lot of noise. Noises like, is she really 11? Or is she 12? Or is she 13? Or is she 14? Or is she 15? As I said, I'll read for you a passage a little later. You see, while I'm quite inspired by heroes like Malala, superheroes, in my deficiency, I sometimes question how is it, in the light of 14 billion years, we exist in a world that still has a need for heroes, for superheroes. Sometimes, I just don't get it.
Luis Velos. Hello. And, um, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad that you came on to the journey. Now, you just returned from Los Angeles, yes. where you won this big award, Student of the Year. What was that like? Um, it was shocking, first of all. Um, I guess I, I really didn't expect it. I mean, there were 500 people in the competition, and here you have um, this uh, immigrant child who's just trying to do, I guess, his best. Mm -hmm. And he gets the phone, and it's like, uh, congratulations, you're Student Advocate of the Year. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Me? <laughs> And and then it gets it, it gets even um, I guess worse because I find out who I was running against and you see their long list and their resume and it's like, wow, how how did I end up getting this this prestigious award and um, but it, but really it was it was an honor to go to the nine hundred two one zero Beverly Hills uh, oh. with my mom, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and we get there and, and the first question my mom asks is. Will I be sitting next to someone that speaks Spanish? <laughs> I'm like, well, you're in Beverly Hills, um, so no. Um, but it it was really a magical night, and mm. when it, when it, whenever somebody asked me about it, I'm just like, you know, it was my Cinderella moment. <laughs> um, I wasn't wearing this big dress or heels, and I didn't get a Prince Charming, but I did get a nice dinner and an award. Oh, okay. So I think that counts for my Cinderella moment. <laughs> I like Cinderella. I haven't heard of that before. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but um, really, I think it was a, it was it was life changing. I I like to view my life as cycles. Mm -hmm. You know, you start a cycle and then you end it and then you begin the new one. Mm -hmm. And I really think receiving the award ended a, a huge cycle for me. Mm -hmm. It went from from the beginning of my advocacy year two years ago mm -hmm. to receiving this award and now finally ending up in this position of what now. Mm -hmm. You know, what's next? How can I live up to, to this award? I mean, it's national. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just state. It's not just that. It's not, I'm recognized nationally. So now it's, I think for me, it ended the cycle, mm -hmm. and it began a completely new one. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my mom about that, and she's just giving me these strange eyes of, what in the world are you trying to say to me? And, and to me, it's just like, Mom, it's just, you know, it's it's just a beginning. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the award was really um, the end of a beautiful cycle mm -hmm. and the beginning of a new one. So I'm, I've been really excited about what's coming up. What, what's coming up? That's what I'm excited to hear what's going to be coming up next. <laughs> but let's let's go back a little bit because you have come to the United States only four years ago. Yes. Right. And you came from Mexico. Yes. Yeah, what is it like in Mexico before you came here? Tell us about your early childhood there, where you're from. Uh, there are listeners who are probably from the area that you're from and then we'll 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 get we'll okay. from there. Um well first of all where I'm from is not on the map. You will <laughs> never find it on a map. I've tried, I've Google mapped it, everything. It isn't it does not exist. Um I'm from the state in Mexico called Aguascalientes, which in English means hot waters. Uh -huh. And yes we are famous for hot waters. They're okay. um they're wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um and then I'm from a pueblo or what you would call a small town called mm -hmm. uh Pabellon de Arteaga. Okay. And then closer to that, you will find a, a local ranch called Ojo Sarco. Now, I'm not from that ranch. I'm actually several miles from that ranch. I lived in the middle of nowhere. And um, it, it, was, it, was, it was tiresome living in the middle of nowhere because we had very low access to electricity, mm -hmm. um, very, very low access to water. Mm -hmm. um, water was a privilege. Really? To be able to take a shower mm -hmm. uh, was a privilege. You would go in... Mm -hmm. To maximum five minutes and get out, mm -hmm. and you'd be very lucky if you got hot water. Mm -hmm. um, so we lived in in, in a in a, in a decent sized ranch. Mm -hmm. 
I might remember feeding the animals after school, before school, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. um, watering the crops, mm -hmm. everything that you would have to do in a ranch life mm -hmm. while having to drive several miles away to get an education. Mm -hmm. And this was a daily routine. Mm -hmm. So when people ask me, why, um, why are you such... I think I grew up to become a very lonesome person, mm -hmm. but it was really because I all my life I've been secluded mm. um, from, I guess, civilization, um, <laughs> which I guess was was a blessing. My constant joke is when people ask me, so who did you speak to? Who did you have fun with? My joke was, oh, I, I just, you know, I just had fun with the goats. <laughs> um, they were my friends, and uh, I grew up with them, and the truth was that they were my friends. So you don't have any other brothers and sisters, do you? I do. I have a younger brother. Oh, okay. Um, but we are like uh, water and oil, I believe you say oh. uh, in English. Yeah. Uh, we are complete opposites. We love each other very dearly, but we are complete opposite people from mm. from a spectrum. Yeah. Um, but I love him. Mm. It's just that at that time, mm -hmm. um, we were we were both in middle school when, when we were growing up. Um, at that time, and and I think that's when you get to see people at different right. stages in their life. Mm -hmm. um, so here I was trying to focus on my school, and here he was trying to figure out. I, th I think what is my life going to where where is the direction of my life and to me I've always had a purpose mm -hmm. it was always you have to reach this goal mm -hmm. I don't think he was ever to find his mm -hmm. um, that eventually led him to drop out of high school when we moved here mm -hmm. um, and that's what kept me in high school was was I was being I was goal driven and um, you know people ask me you you know your brother is a high school dropout mm -hmm. and you have this amazing scholarship to this amazing university mm -hmm. what happened and my answer is not he's not dumb mm -hmm. he's not he, he he is he's way smarter than me at math I think th the simple answer was that he has a different goal than I do mm -hmm. so but what made you what what influenced your goal what made you choose whatever goal it was that you choose so early in life you know? Um, I think it was really when we moved here. Um, when we moved here, I, I didn't have any friends. Mm -hmm. um, we lived in a small house, all four of us. Mm -hmm. My parents, my brother and I, we would have to sleep in a small room. Mm -hmm. And I slept on the floor. No, but let, let's go back before you... So what caused you to move here? What, you know, so at some point your parents decided mm -hmm. that you guys are, are going to come here. So what was that transition like, deciding that you're going to leave... Uh, your small town. Did you guys live there throughout uh, before you came to United States? Mm -hmm. So and so, what caused them to move here? It, it was really the the economy. Oh, okay. I yeah. mean, at that time, it was about two thousand and and eight. Right. Um. So at that time, the 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 American economy was still spiraling down. It was still in free fall. Right. And um, we have a saying in Mexico that if the U.S. sneezes. Mexico gets the flu. <laughs> okay. um, so, so they thought they had it bad. Mexico, the Mexican economy had it worse. Right. And us as farmers, mm. it was horrible. Okay. Um, we we didn't have a job. We we di we didn't have any uh, means of getting a paycheck every fifteen days. Mm -hmm. We had to depend on the availability of crops of animals. Mm -hmm. um, so at that time, I was like, this isn't stable. Mm -hmm. And I was about to go into high school, and the thing about high school in Mexico mm -hmm. is that it's not free. Uh, um, they they charge you per semester. Mm -hmm. So if I had decided to, to stay in Mexico, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had a high school education because, simply stated, I could not afford it. Okay, so but, but I noticed that you speak English pretty well. Did you learn English there, or did you come here speaking Spanish and then pick up English? Mm. 
I, I, how did I, the, the thing about how I learned English was I moved here mm. to the U.S. when I was six. Oh, okay. So I moved here twice. Oh, okay. I didn't know that right. Um, and it's it's a fact that very that a lot of people don't know is that I've been here in the U.S. for two periods. Right. Um, so I came here when I was six, and I left around the age of eleven, okay. and I went back to Mexico. Gotcha. Um, because we were hoping that by that time we would be able to have a stable life in Mexico. It was all lies. It didn't work out. <laughs> um, and then we came back, gotcha. um, realizing that our our dreams of going back to Mexico were not stable. All right. Um. So I think that's that's one of the reasons why why we did come back is because when we were here, right. we did not have a glamorous life. You know, right. we were on the brinks of the American dream, but we were stable. Mm-hmm. And stability is something not found in Mexico, at least not in not in in, in the area where I was living in. Right. So, but now you're focused. You're focused then on being what? What What was your focus? Good question. Uh, <laughs> When I say I'm focused, I really do mean that I'm. It's it's everything and nothing at the same time, mm-hmm. because I want to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to help people. I want to get a law degree. I want to uh, go to Harvard Law and and, and do all these amazing things. Mm-hmm. But really, my focus is, and and I tell people this all the time, mm-hmm. um, because I have people coming up to me and saying, you know, how do you do all these great things, and and how can I do it, or mm-hmm. how do I get there? And my answer is always simple. It's, it's that. It really doesn't matter your position. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter your title. Mm-hmm. My focus is helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, my my life is a life of service, mm-hmm. and you don't need a fancy title. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. What you really need to live a life of service is, is a willing heart mm-hmm. and love. Mm-hmm. So I'm all, whenever when everybody whenever somebody comes up to me, the first message I always give to them is the message of love. Mm-hmm. Love others. Love yourself. Mm-hmm. Love what you do. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I love living a life of service. Just giving part of myself to others, mm-hmm. I think, is is the true legacy of life, or at least mine. Okay. So you, um, uh, during your high school years here, um, at what stage did you decide that you were going to found the organization? Tell us about the organization that you first found, and how how did you? Um, well, I've, right. <laughs> I've started several things. Right. Um, well, in, in, in high school, right. uh, my early high school years, I started two two key organizations, which was the uh, Woodrow Wilson League of United Latin American Citizens, which is an organization for Latinos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that I started was the Gaystra Alliance, which is an LGBT-oriented uh, organization. Mm-hmm. And really the reason why I started both was, again, when I was growing up, it it was not an easy life, mm-hmm. um, especially because you know, as a gay man, I was taught to hate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and coming here to the U.S., um, especially to Woodrow Wilson, where I was constantly surrounded by by non Latinos, mm-hmm. um, people from the white race and mm-hmm. the black race. To me, it was like, you know, how do I find my identity? Mm-hmm. Um, being the ve- very being the about one out of five Latinos. Mm-hmm. In the advanced courses, I think I started to to divert myself away from my Latinoness mm-hmm. and divert myself away from my gayness, mm-hmm. and I hated those aspects of myself until uh, one day I woke up and said, mm-hmm. "Jesus Christ, <laughs> I, I live such a hateful life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've learned to internalize so much hate towards myself." Mm-hmm. I mean, here I am speaking of loving each other and giving service, but I can't even love myself. Mm. Um, 
so one day I, I really just I learned to love myself mm-hmm. and I learned to respect myself and and who I am and it's, it's a constant journey mm-hmm. I think the the journey towards loving yourself and who you are is is constant and long and arduous mm-hmm. and I'm still on it but once I've started loving myself I realized there are other people going towards the going through the same thing that I went through, mm-hmm. you know, the internalized homophobia, the internalized racism, whatever the case may be. There are people suffering mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and I don't want them to go through the sa- exact same thing that I went through, because it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was, I guess, that was the light bulb in my head that said, I don't want people to suffer. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to be sad. I don't want people to be depressed. I don't want people to be angry. It's not right, mm-hmm. because I lived through it. Mm-hmm. And and I knew what it felt like to be lonely, to be discarded, um, and I don't want people to feel that way ever, mm-hmm. ever. Um, so whenever I started my first meeting for both my organizations, I went in there um, and I said, "Look around you. These people are your new family, mm-hmm. and you will respect them as if they are your family." Because um, I think that's that's what being. An organization, I guess, an organizational leader is about is creating a sense of family and love, mm-hmm. which is what I guess I try to do, and I hope I accomplish. Um, <laughs> That's good. Well, I'm talking to Luis Velos, who is the student national student award winner for 2012, and we'll be right back. When we're back, uh, Luis will tell us more about his organization and how he's able to was able to transform himself from a hated personality to such a loved personality. For listeners and travelers new to the journey, this is my moment to remind you of Illicet, a time to begin again. Illicet is spelled I-L-I-C-E-T. It is a Latin word. Illicet, a time to begin again. If you haven't got it as yet, it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and any of your favorite bookstores, whatever your favorite format. Illicit. A time to begin again. A true story. A unique coming-of-age story. A story that explores... Why we do the things we do the way we do them. Illicit, a time to begin again. Stop wondering why you keep getting stuck in the same hole over and over again. Try Illicit, a time to begin again. Illicit, a time to begin again, honors our mighty women. It reminds us of a peculiar reality that faces all of us. Ten words drive, dictate, dominate every facet of human endeavor and individual pursuit. Four, perform sweet puppetry in each and every last one of us, regardless of our origins or our upbringing. 
They come with strings attached, battery included. Know them, those ten words. Understand them, use them, or they will use and abuse you. Ten words, they define precisely why you and I do the things we do, the way we do them. You've heard it said time and again, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. <laughs> Beware, she said. Sticks and stones do break bones. Just as well, words can swiftly destroy you. Four words. Perform sweet puppetry in each and every last one of us, regardless of our circumstances, our origins, our religions, our cultures, our upbringing. Illicit, a time to begin again. I highly recommend it. Well, we're back with Louis Velas, and Louis, you were telling us that uh, you suffered from something that uh, many folks suffer from—the the, the hating of themselves for who they are, as a Latino and as a gay man. But somewhere along the line, something clicked. Tell us about that. What what happened? <laughs> well, it was the summer of 2010, mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean to sound cliche and, and create this beautiful story, because it was far from beautiful, mm -hmm. um, but really it was um, in the summer of 2010, I was still in the closet, um, and I found uh, a man, mm -hmm. um, and whose name will, will remain nameless, who will remain nameless, because okay. uh, I don't want him calling me, I mean, like, I heard you, you say my name on the radio. <laughs> um, but uh, I found him, and um, he, he, I guess for lack of a better term, he wooed me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to me it was shocking, because it, I never felt like I deserved anybody's attention, mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And here was this, this, this guy giving me attention, and, and he really taught me that, you know, being gay is okay. Mm -hmm. um, and he really taught me that being Latino and, and exploring and, and expressing your culture is fine. So, I think he was the catalyst mm -hmm. for that. Um, we ended up breaking up, you know, it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it, I think him, him showing me that I can be loved by somebody else was a catalyst for, for me realizing that well, if I can be loved by somebody else, then why don't I love myself? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm the same person with him or without him. I, I continue to be Luis Veloz. Mm. Um, so why can't I love myself? Mm. Um, and then it, it took a while for me to, to start understanding what does loving yourself mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I came to realize that it's, it, it's not loving yourself in this perfect mode or loving yourself when you're at your best. Mm -hmm. It's loving yourself when you're at your worst. Mm. Um, really. Mm -hmm. When um, 
you're in the brink of despair and you're ready to give up and say I'm done with the world mm -hmm. you learn to love yourself because um, there is I guess there is this light that never gives up um, I'm a constant believer that um, humans are naturally good mm -hmm. um, I know 99% of people out there will say humans are naturally bad mm -hmm. and they will do whatever it is that they need to do to, to win and it is my belief that humans are naturally good. Mm -hmm. I think humans naturally want to help each other, naturally want to be loved and, and loved other people. I, I just think it's that we've been taught to hate ourselves mm -hmm. and thus hate others. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized I can't continue doing that. And it was really because, and, and this is what I always say to people, is that this is not a journey you can take on yourself. Mm -hmm. This is not a journey that you can go with alone. Um, there will be times where you will be alone and you will have to confront your own demons. Mm -hmm. But the journey, in, in my journey towards self-love, has always been uh, accompanied by somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, whether it be uh, my first boyfriend, mm -hmm. whether it be uh, my mentor mm -hmm. that taught me that you know crying is nothing to be ashamed of mm -hmm. or feeling sorry or feeling angry is, is really nothing to be ashamed of. It's part of who you are. Mm -hmm. um, or my mother, who 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 is emotionless, by the way. She she does not show emotion. She is very hard. She is very cold. Mm -hmm. But uh, seeing her express emotions after I came out, and and becoming this protective mother who who started reading pamphlets and books, and mind you, she hates reading. <laughs> um, but she started reading so much after I came out. You know, it, it's people like that that showed me. If they can take the time out to love me, mm -hmm. then why am I not taking the time out to love myself? Mm -hmm. um, so, so when people, uh, all the time, it's like, well, I'm trying to find myself, or I'm trying to figure out who I am. I think it's 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 pointless going at it alone, mm -hmm. because never in your life will you be alone. Right. Never, even if you shut yourself in your own room. Mm -hmm. Um, you will still hear the you will hear the birds outside. You will hear the cars passing by. You are you are not an entity by yourself. Mm. You you are part of a community, mm. and um, when you start realizing that you are part of a community, and that the community loves you and the community needs you, mm. well, you start realizing that wow, you know maybe I need to start loving myself. Maybe I need to start valuing myself mm. for who I am, rather than for what society has told me I should be. Hmm. So that moment, the, there came a moment, if, if you're saying, that you came out. I'm assuming you came out to your parents. Did you come out to them first, or did you come out to others first? I actually came out to my friends first. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and I, what was that like? It was actually easier than expected. <laughs> uh, I, I remember telling my friend once, um, we were playing soccer, um, and I sit him down, and, and um, right after playing soccer, we're sweaty. It's... It's obviously a Texas summer, so we're hot and, and sweaty, and I tell him, I have something to tell you. Mm -hmm. And and he's just staring at me like, what is it? Mm. I'm like, I'm gay. And he's just like, I know. <laughs> it's not that hard to tell. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. And then, we, and then after that, we went out for dinner. I'm like, we went out for burgers and shakes and fries. Uh, and he's all like... Yeah, don't don't worry. I mean, it's not that hard to to tell. Mm. I'm like, darn it! I thought I did a very good job of hiding it. <laughs> so, what was it like coming out to your parents now? What was that like? Um, my parents was completely different. My friends were very accepting. Um, and actually, I think I became popular in my school after doing it. Mm. I became the it guy. The oh my gosh, here, there goes Reese, the gay guy. 
um, with my parents it was very different. I decided to uh, do it um, very separately. So instead of just coming out to my mother, uh, my father, and my brother, I came out to each one of them independently because mm. I think they would have different questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my mother, uh, it's funny because I took her out and I bought her a cupcake. Mm. I bought her a chocolate cupcake because uh, she loves chocolate cupcakes. You get her one and she will go into her fantasy world and not come out of it. Mm. So so my theory was, let me get her into her fantasy world so when I do break the news to her, the blow won't be so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought her a chocolate cupcake and I told her, and I, I said, you know, Mom, I'm gay. And uh, she she spit out her chocolate cupcake. But then afterwards, uh, she I think she she went through about a three week period where she was I think in shock. Um, mm-hmm. She couldn't believe it. She she got very little sleep, and you could see it in her eyes. Um, mm-hmm. She got very little sleep. Uh, she started. She almost got fired mm-hmm. from her job because she wasn't being as productive as she was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I later realized that after those three weeks, she had been reading up. She got a bunch of pamphlets, a bunch of books, and she had been reading. So during that three weeks, you didn't, you weren't aware. What was her first response to you, apart from spitting out the chocolate? <laughs> what was her first? Apart from that very expensive chocolate <laughs> cupcake, was it? No, you're lying to me. Mm. Um, you're 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 lying. It, it can't be. I can't have a gay son. Mm. Um, and so to me, it was like, no, yeah, you do. He's standing right next to you, and he's eating the um, orange cupcake. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the first reaction was it can't be. So, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I I say it is a state of shock because it was denial. Mm-hmm. The first thing was denial, mm-hmm. and then of course it was sadness and anger and and, and the stages. I get, I think the stages of grief mm-hmm. uh, for her were were exactly set. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really didn't talk for the next three weeks. She, I came home, I ate breakfast, I went to school, I came back. Um, usually I would have a meeting or two to go to afterwards. And then I would do my homework and go to sleep and that's the way it was for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Which was horrible. Mm-hmm. Because she really was my best friend. Mm-hmm. If I ever had free time, I spent it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, we would sing along in, in the in the, in the the car to a Shakira or Celia Cruz, so we would always be singing together, uh. and we didn't sing for three weeks, and it hurt me. Mm. Um, it really did hurt me, but after those three weeks, she came up to me and she said, you know, I've been talking to some people, and um, I just want to say that, um, y- y- you know, no matter who you are, you are my son, mm-hmm. and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and she even said, but when you do have a boyfriend, <laughs> I will have to approve of him, and you will have to, and he will have to take us both out to dinner, and he will pay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, mom, don't don't worry. I don't have I don't have a current boyfriend, and I don't think I will for a while. I think I'm much too busy for that. Um, but she said, but when you do, you will have to introduce me to him. So it was it, it was a shock. Mm. Um, because not only did she accept me, she accepted mm. the fact that this means mm. I will have a boyfriend one day, or or mm. a partner, or a husband, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um. So it it, it went well. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't go. It, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would. I wasn't kicked out, right. um, mm-hmm. as many of my uh, fellow LGBT members are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was okay. And how did you move through to the rest of the family? Did you go to your dad or your? My brother what? found out through Facebook. Really? Uh, so <laughs> a hint, tip to those on here: Do not come out if, if you have your brother on there. Uh, be careful what you say on Facebook. So what did he? So now that he found out, what happened? Um. 
it, it was shocking. First of all, he never gets on Facebook. He hates Facebook, and it turns out one day he got on there and went to my profile and saw. And it was funny because that, that exact day was, um, I believe it was it was some, some form of celebration. I believe we were during Pride Week or, or something. Mm-hmm. Point was that at my school, in one of his classes, one of the teachers um, gave out speeches about certain civil rights topics, and one of the topics was about um, LGBT issues. Mm-hmm. So a, a young lady... Um, gave a, a speech on LGBT issues, and my brother was present, mm-hmm. and he heard it. And uh, that day, we we walk home, we walk home together to. Uh, so that day, he was talking to me, and he told me I went on your Facebook, and my first reaction was, "Oh Jesus Christ, he knows I'm gay." <laughs> um, and 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 he did, mm-hmm. and he told me, um, you know, I I know that you're gay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, are you safe? Mm-hmm. My first reaction was, am I safe? I'm walking with you. I'm obviously <laughs> safe right now. Um, his first reaction, and mind you, when I say my brother and I are on different ends of the spectrum, he, he, he let's put it this way, he's more of a street person. Right. Uh, very uh, macho, very street, very, very street savvy, very, he knows how to fight. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way, he knows how to fight. Um, so his first reaction was to cry. Mm. Um, he he cried um, mm. because and I asked him, well, why are you crying? And he said, because I don't want anybody to, to kill you. I mm. don't want anybody to hurt you, and people are going to hurt you because you're gay. Mm. And um, mind you, my brother and I have never had a good relationship before then. Mm. Um, we, we talked, but it was always very cold and distant because we were on different ends of the spectrum. It, it wasn't until after that day... Um, that we actually started speaking to each other. Right now, he's my best friend. Like I, I will defend my brother till the death. Mm-hmm. Um, it so to see this guy, this macho, this the street savvy, mm-hmm. will beat you down type of guy crying mm-hmm. because he fears for my safety mm-hmm. was very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it was it was very enlightening that the fact that he said, <clears throat> "Yo, mm-hmm. if anybody ever messes with you, let me know and I will beat them up." <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice, thank you. <laughs> um, so so my brother was like, uh, here you have my mom saying, I'll, I'll support you to the very end. And then you have my brother saying, if he ever does anything to you, I'll beat them up. And my father was very different. Mm. Um, he found out through a magazine. Uh-oh. So, uh, so none of them ever found out directly. <laughs> um, I, was, I was procrastinating on it too much. So there was a magazine where I was published, and it mentioned part of my work with the LGBT uh, movement or civil rights movement here in Dallas. And obviously, I wasn't present at that time. I was at school, and he sees it, and he confronts my mom about it, and he says, "What is he doing? <laughs> um, what in the world does he think he's doing?" And my mom was like, "Well, you know, he's just working for them. You know, he's trying to make this world a better place." <laughs> um, and he's like, "But is he gay? Uh, he's working with them. Is he gay?" Um, and my and my mom was like, "Well, you know, I think you should ask him." Like no, I'm asking you, is he gay? Mm-hmm. And she simply says, Yeah, he's gay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a problem with it? And he's like, No. As long as he's a good person, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So, and I come home that day, and my mom, my mom takes me out. Uh, we're always, we're always going out, um, to, you know, to certain spots of, of the town. And she says, um, Your father knows you're gay. And I'm just like, Oh God. So when am I getting kicked out? <laughs> um, and she's like, no, he's actually okay with it. He says, as long as you continue to be a good person, then you're fine. I'm like, 
wait, rewind. Are, are you serious? He, he said, as long as I'm a good person, we'll be fine. And she's like, yeah, that's what he said. I'm like, wow. Mm. So, um, I've been blessed mm. to, to have a good family. And, um, and, and it's not a blessing that I take lightly. Because mm. I have a lot of friends that have been kicked out. Uh, one of the stories that always touches my heart is one of my friends, uh, Juan, mm. uh, he was kicked out of, of his house when he came out. And to me, it's like, I can't even imagine being kicked out of my house. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many people either getting kicked out, not not being recognized, getting beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, a, an endless amount of stories. And here I am in my room on my bed mm-hmm. um, with a loving family, with food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not, we don't have the best house, the, the best luxuries, but I had them. Mm-hmm. And really, that's all I wanted to and still to this day, when I look back, it's like, wow, I have been very, very lucky mm-hmm. to have parents such as mine, and, and a brother, and, and, and a family that supports me, no matter who I am. And um, it's, it's been a blessing. Well, that's wonderful. I'm speaking to Luis Velos. We'll be right back. Glisten, partnering with the Walt Disney Company, presented Luis Velos with the 2012 Student Advocate of the Year Award. Three runners for the annual honor include Katy Butler of Ann Arbor, Michigan, Amelia Ruskin-Frazzi of San Francisco, and Joel Johnson of Springs, New York. back with Lewis. Lewis, tell us about the Magdaleno Leadership Institute that you founded. Uh, the Magdaleno Leadership Institute. Um, well, first of all, I really want to give credit to all the people that helped start it. Um, I was just merely, I guess, a brick in building the house. But uh, it was, um, I was approached by uh, Raul Magdaleno uh, and he said, you know, I, I would like to have you help this certain group of, of men um, start this nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And my first reaction was, again, oh my God, why me? What did I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and he simply said, I, I, I like the way you work. Mm-hmm. In, in short, that's that's what he said. I, I like the way you work and the way you handle who you are. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, um, I'm a hot mess, mm-hmm. but thank you. <laughs> um, so, so MLI, the Magdalene Leadership Institute, was created in response to, we have a lot of... Uh, if you look at the statistics, we have a lot of minority mm. women mm-hmm. that are getting it. They know that getting an education, going to college, getting a good career mm. is the path to success in the United States. Mm-hmm. But we don't have that in our minority men. Mm. Our minority men are lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't... Most of them still see themselves as a caregiver and, and the worker in their family. Um, and this, again, this happens for women and, and men. but. We are, we're seeing that men are, are are more likely to drop out because they feel the need to to get money and get it fast and get it quick. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them will start working or, or or doing this and that, and we wanted to end that. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel that we had the need to to get more men involved, and in in doing what they need to do um, to I guess break the stereotype, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so we started a nonprofit, and it was at first it was um it was about twelve men that started a nonprofit, and mm-hmm. and then it, it got reduced down to about four mm-hmm. uh, four men that stayed in the group, um, and and we decided we need to teach leadership skills. Mm-hmm. We need to give men the the tools. Mm-hmm. To go forth and change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exactly what we did. We provide them with a bunch of training worth several thousand dollars, which is given to us for free mm-hmm. um, through several partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we expanded our our nonprofit to encompass a school district. Mm-hmm. So we are working with uh, Irving ISD Irving Independent School District to to teach their students how to be leaders and in the second year we realized we really can't just give this to the men mm-hmm. our young ladies deserve the opportunity as well mm-hmm. and uh, which changed the mission a little mm-hmm. but it still remains the same to to give uh, minority groups the opportunity to grow mm-hmm. and to uh, b- become who they are meant to be um so this year we took in about fifteen uh, students mm-hmm. and it is very rigorous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I, I'm not one to say that the things we make them do are easy. They are on track to get their congressional gold medal, one of the highest honors a civilian can receive mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. They are on track to um, learn a lot of corporate skills. We don't we do not teach them skills that they'll use in high school or in college. Mm-hmm. We want the skills that we teach them to be skills they'll use in the corporate world mm-hmm. or in the nonprofit world, whatever the case may be. So we're 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 pushing them, mm-hmm. and because it is so rigorous, we have a lot of people drop out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we call the first two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, we call it a uh, hell week, <laughs> um, because that's when we draw them. Mm-hmm. We want to know what are you doing mm-hmm. that that's going to get you because these are several thousand dollars that we're investing in you. Prove to us that you you're worth those several thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, we want to know. Um, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And it's a funny story. You're wearing orange. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know, Neville's wearing orange. <laughs> uh, he's wearing an orange shirt. So I, I always notice the color orange because that is our nonprofit color. Ah. Um, I'm glad I'm wearing orange. Yes, I'm very glad you're wearing orange too. <laughs> um, and orange means um, it means two things. Mm-hmm. Um, orange is made up of two colors, uh, red and yellow. Mm-hmm. Red uh, means powerful. It's, it's, very, it's a very powerful color. It means stature, it means um, power, whatever the case may be. Uh, yellow, uh, we take it to be happiness. Mm. Uh, you know, sunflowers, mm-hmm. uh, cute little baby chicks, <laughs> uh, things that make you happy. Okay. So mixed together, orange is, 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 is the message that we're going to use the power that we have mm-hmm. to spread happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two, um, orange is for service. Mm. Um, Orange is worn by monks to mean that we have given our life away to a life of service. Mm -hmm. So when we say it's Hell Week, we mean Hell Week in the fact that are you doing this to put this on your resume? Mm -hmm. Are you doing this so you'll get a notch up in the corporate ladder or a notch up in in, in the presidential or or political gains or whatever you want to say? Mm -hmm. Um, Or are you doing this because you're going to use the tools that we give you to go back to your community and make it a better place? Mm and if and if you're using you're using this for your resume or your career, then we're gonna kick you out mm. because we can easily recognize that because a lot of the things that we make you do, you will not be able to put on your resume. Mm. Um, because there are things that you would that you, normally most people won't 
put on the resume. Mm -hmm. Like waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning to go do some service work that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something that, that'll be high, a highlight in your resume. It'll be something that'll teach you that you are not here for yourself. Mm -hmm. You were not placed on this earth to serve your own purpose. Mm -hmm. You were placed on this earth to serve a higher purpose. Mm -hmm. to, to, to constantly serve people. Um, so, when we say, we're going to put you through a rigorous course, yeah, you'll hate us at the end of it, <laughs> and uh, you might be a little bit bitter towards us, mm -hmm. but it's because we want you to realize that if you have not decided to give your life away to service, mm -hmm. then you have not accomplished your mission. Mm -hmm. You have not lived to be who you are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I figure out around the age of 18. Mm -hmm. um, how old are you now? If you I'm 18. I'm turning 19 next month. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm getting a little bit old. Well, you, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm getting at that age where uh, my, uh, my my stress just gets to a certain level and my hair starts turning gray. Um, I figured it out at the age of 17 when I got into a fight with one of my teachers. Um, and I it was my physics teacher. And... Um, she would always come up to me and say, you know, you could be getting an A-plus in this class. You're so smart. And I told her, so what am I getting? She said, you're getting a low B. And I'm like, oh, well, no, that's not an A-plus, but it's something. It's not a failing grade. Mm -hmm. She would always say, if you would give up all your activities and focus on your schoolwork, you could be valedictorian. And I said, I could be valedictorian, and I don't doubt it. I'm smart enough. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to work for a title. Mm -hmm. That would be despicable of me. Mm -hmm. Why am I going to invest so many hours for a title? Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem like something worthwhile for me to do. Um, and one day I was going to a meeting, mm -hmm. and she said, I expect to see you at tutoring after school. And I said, I can't. She said, why can't you go to tutoring? I expect you to go there. I want you to get that A+. Because mm -hmm. I have a meeting to go to. What are you doing at that meeting? I'm recovering coming out issues mm -hmm. um, with a bunch of youth. And she said, that's not important. I looked. I, I looked at her crazy. I'm like, what? That's not important. She said, your grade is more important. And I said, excuse me, but your grade will never be as important as helping my fellow man out. I am sorry. It will never be that way. So I walked away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and she and she gave me this. And, I, and to this day, I, I still think she hates me. <laughs> um, but that's fine with me. If, if if I had to, if I had to to draw that line, then I had to. Um, and it's amazing because that day I, I gave my speech mm. to several members of, of, of the Gaysor Alliance at my school. Mm. And, and I gave the speech of how coming out is such a wonderful paradise and you should all do it. <laughs> um, and then at the end of it, I gave them the option. At the end of the meeting, I said, if you want to join me up here on the stage and come out, mm -hmm. please do so. So there I am. And it, it, five minutes passed and I'm sitting up there like... I think it's time to close this meeting. Nobody's coming up here. <laughs> um, and, and we get this one brave woman. Her, her name is Jalissa. Mm -hmm. She joins me on stage. Mm. I'm like, well, we've got one. I think that's good. I mean, if I can help one person, I, I've done good for a day. And then you get this massive outpour of people just coming on stage. And at the end of the day, you get about 20 people on stage with me. Mm -hmm. And most of them have, have come out to me individually, but they've never done it publicly. Mm-hmm. And and then we're all up there, and you know it's 
we're gay or we're bisexual or we're transgender or we're, we're lesbians or and we're proud of it mm-hmm. you know uh, so to me yeah I didn't get an A plus I didn't get valedictorian I didn't get that 4.5 GPA mm-hmm. but I saw 20 students come out of the closet mm-hmm. I saw 20 students say I'm tired of hating myself mm-hmm. I'm tired of believing what others say about me to be true mm-hmm. I'm tired of lying to others and to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a stand. Now, to me, I don't know what the audience is thinking. Should I have gotten the A-plus or not? And, and I'm not discounting education. Mm-hmm. But to me, when you put in this perspective, what is more important? What does impact somebody's life? Mm-hmm. That A-plus? Or having the, the comfort of knowing, because of my work, somebody's going to go to bed tonight. And they're not going to say, gosh, I wish I wasn't born this way. Or, gosh, I wish I could change. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the audience thinks, but to me it's really about the people. Well, that's quite moving. We'll be right back. At the beginning of this leg of the journey, I mentioned to you Malala, who was shot by the Taliban in the head for her advocacy on behalf of girls wanting an education. And I told you that I would share with you a passage. This passage is taken from Illicet, A Time to Begin Again. If you ignore one because it is not twenty, you'll ignore twenty because it is not yet twenty-one, and that too because it's not one hundred or two hundred or five hundred and fifteen. You will ignore six hundred because it's not one thousand, then a thousand because that number is not the one that is precious to you. You'll ignore one billion because none of them are yours. They are someone else's problem. They are in someone else's city. Then it will reach you. Maybe a billion and two later, it will reach one of yours maybe your family. And yes, this one will register strongly. Your one will register strongly because you know its touch, you know its hold, you know its grip, you know its feel. Its hurt wraps your soul like a seal. Just then, it is not so easy to understand why those other billions are ignoring you. You see, they will never understand what it is like when they don't yet know that when you elect to forget or choose not to notice, then you will ignore one because one is not 10,000.
than ten thousand because it is not yet you. You'll ignore a hundred times that because it is not ten times as much and that too because it is not the number that is precious to you. So be sure to know your number. The one number that will grab your attention, the number that might threaten you. Keep it to your bosom. Keep it handy. Wave it high, lest you find yourself looking at the mirror and quite unexpectedly see a number looking back at you. The number aptly called me. Extending this leg of the journey to glean some more from our bright guest. We're back with Lewis. Lewis, I know that you got a scholarship to uh, go to SMU. Why did you stay in Dallas and go to SMU? Uh, that's a good question. Why did I stay in <laughs> Dallas? Um, well, really, uh, the reason was when it came time to apply for colleges, I picked three. Mm-hmm. I picked SMU, mm-hmm. I picked the University of North Texas, and I picked University of Texas at Arlington. Um, and for those people that aren't from Dallas or from Texas, from the U.S., mm-hmm. um, those three universities are relatively close to each other. They are all in the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. So I did not pick any any university outside of Dallas for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was uh, when I was growing up, my dream was always to go to Columbia University. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to New York. I, I always wanted to go to an Ivy League. Um, so to me, it was in my grasps. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the scores, I had the GPA, I had the resume, mm-hmm. uh, the writing skills to be able to go to Columbia University. But at the end of the day, I decided I wouldn't go. I didn't even apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, and, the, and the reason is simple is because it one it would have been a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just to say no, I'm not going to go to Columbia because I needed to stay in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I need to stay in Dallas is because I'm going to be quite honest. Dallas has a long way to go when it comes to race issues and when it comes to LGBT issues. Mm-hmm. Um, traveling around the United States to go to several conferences, you talk to all these people and they are far ahead of us. Mm-hmm. They are so ahead of Dallas. And it's funny because I come back to Dallas and it's like, oh, we're progressive, you know. We're, we're, we're a blue dot in what is red Texas. So we're, we're very liberal in, in Dallas. And that's what we like to, to say and treat as we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're very, we're still very, I guess you could say conservative in, mm-hmm. in many instances. Because you go to, to places like LA and Miami and Atlanta and people are discussing race issues. Mm-hmm. People are discussing LGBT issues and, and how that deals with race and disabilities and gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't talk about that in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time to change that. Mm-hmm. So I um, applied to SMU. I ended up getting a full ride, so I don't have to pay out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I went to SMU, and really, it's a great school. I love it. It is not Columbia University. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have loved to go to Columbia, but there is still so much work to be done here in mm-hmm. Dallas. Mm-hmm. 
and at the end of the day, it was, okay, I could go to Columbia, put that on my resume, and Luis Valdez graduated from Columbia University, or I could stay at SMU, which is still a good school, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, what is my life? Mm-hmm. Am I going to do the thing for the resume, mm-hmm. or am I going to do the thing for the people? Mm-hmm. To give back. Mm-hmm. Of course, the answer was simple. I'm going to stay here and give back. <laughs> um, and there are times where I, I do, it really gets to me. It's like, wow, I could be in New York right now. <laughs> or I could be dancing salsa with the Boricuas up there. <laughs> okay. But I'm here. You have to tell me about that, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm here in Dallas with the boots and the cowboys. <laughs> and, uh, um, so it, it really was, you know, it, sometimes it gets to the point where it's, it's like, ah, did I make the right decision? Did I make the right choice? Mm-hmm. And, um,. This is really a, a personal shout out to because every now and then I'll get a message on Facebook from from a random person and they say, "I love what you say," or "Thank you for what for doing what you're doing," or "Thank you for for hearing me out." Mm-hmm. And there's those types of things that keeps me going. It's like I did make the right choice to stay here. Mm-hmm. This is where I belong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might it may not feel like it. Sometimes it it, it I feel like I should have gone away. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I've never been one to run away from my problems. Mm. It's something that I, I learned at a very young age. You, you, you say you can run away. You, you think you can, but you, you never really will. Mm-hmm. Because most of the problems are problems that you bring about from yourself. Mm. So wherever you go, your problems will follow. Mm. Um, so it doesn't matter if I'm in New York and Dallas, I'm going to continue having problems. That's, that's the honest truth. So why not have these problems and give back to people? So um, SME is a wonderful school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some very, very rich kids mm-hmm. at SMU, and here comes this uh, poor immigrant uh, from Mexico, this poor gay immigrant from Mexico, and it's like, oh my God, uh, where did you come from? <laughs> but it, 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 the professors are amazing. I'm majoring in human rights, um, so it's it's a great school, and I don't, you know, it's it's worthwhile. Mm. Beautiful school. So they have a lot of fountains, <laughs> which makes it prettier, I guess. Um, you're uh, the youngest board member of GLSEN, right? James Tate has been on our program uh, several times. I'm talking about GLSEN Dallas chapter. Tell us uh, about that. What do you do? What brought you to it? I want to say that James dragged me into it. Um, I'll make sure you hear that. <laughs> yeah, you know, James. Um, but on a serious note, um, I was approached by James, um, gosh, I want to say a year ago. I don't know how long I've been working for them anymore. Um, so he brought me onto the board, and uh, he says, you know, um, I've seen your work, um, and I and I know what, what you've done, or whatever the case may be. And he said, do you want to join the board? <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, let me let me get stable and I'll come back to you on that. Um, so I ended up joining the board right before I started at SMU, mm. the summer before, mm. um, and and I loved it mm. uh, because it it was the pathway towards my ultimate goal and my ultimate goal was. I want each and every school in Dallas Independent School District, Irving Independent School District, Plano, Garland, and all the surrounding school districts in this area to have a GSA, to have a Gay Alliance. Mm-hmm. And we're on our way. Mm. Um, because at Woodrow, obviously me always want to tell people, at Woodrow we had a Gay Alliance. Mm. 
and it was great. It was wonderful. But we have so many schools without one. Mm-hmm. We have about 36 schools in my district. And of those 36 schools, only about 5 to 8 mm-hmm. had one when I started. And then we have the surrounding school districts who, I, who after much information, found out that not even half of their schools mm-hmm. have a Geisha Alliance. Mm-hmm. So I made it my personal mission to give each and every school a Geisha Alliance. And thankfully, we're on our way. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been able to, to get the number up from 5 to uh, 16, I believe, was the last count mm-hmm. in my school district. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been able to get in contact with um, the Geister Alliances up north, which if you live in Dallas, you will realize that up north of Dallas is very, very conservative. Mm-hmm. But we've been able to reach out to those areas. Uh, and in Irving, where we're starting another movement, um, they had no Geister Alliances that we were aware of, and now we're in contact with three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my recent one last week, we were able to get in contact with four more mm-hmm. in, a, in another school district that that we were post that I was postponing until next term to be able to reach out to them. And it turns out they reached out to me and I'm like, congratulations, you've just hit the jackpot, and so have I. <laughs> um, so we found four more. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, to me, my work with Glisson involves a lot of a lot of youth, which is what I love mm-hmm. because working with youth is. You're not sitting in a board meeting with a bunch of people mm-hmm. in suits, you know, talking about policy. You're really on the ground, mm-hmm. making sure that they're okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've always been about, is making sure these kids are okay. Do you need anything? How can I help you? Um, and really, that's what I love. So, and, and then, of course, you have all the, all the other work that we're having to do with students of color organizing, mm-hmm. um, several other programs. We're right in the midst of Ally Week, mm-hmm. so being able to support allies to the LGBT community so it's always been a blessing to be able to work with James. Tell, tell us what Ally, Ally Week is about. So Ally Week is all about, obviously, in the LGBT movement, you have people that do not, um, I guess, go to, they're not lesbian, they're not gay, they're not bisexual, they're not transgender, but they do care about the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what you call an ally. Mm-hmm. So you have these people coming in and, and they want to help out. Mm-hmm. So Ally Week was created to simply say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do need these people. You've seen it in in all these movements that you do need allies. In the in the in the Black Civil Rights Movement, mm-hmm. you had whites coming in and saying, "I want to help you out. How can I help you out? How can we work together mm-hmm. to to break down this institution of racism?" Um, and it, it's it's always worked out. You always need your allies. So Ally Week is a week in which we dedicate to saying thank you mm-hmm. and how are we going to move forward. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really good to see. You see a, a, a gay man or a woman mm-hmm. or a bisexual or transgender, someone who, don't, who does not identify as that, and they come together and they work. Mm-hmm. You know, they have set apart their differences and they've given themselves one key specific goal mm-hmm. and they're working together towards it and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really just reminds me of, wow, you know, the, the power of love. Mm-hmm. The power of working together is so much more greater than than all these the, these differences or all, all these you know things that we wish to separate us. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we, we're coming together for for one message, the message of love, as I like to say. I always we will always call it the message of love, to come together and make this world a better place. So I really think that's what Ally Week is about. 
Well, Lewis, we privilege our guests on the journey with a game. It's your turn to play three hands and a deep hole. In one of our books, A Soundbite Life, there is a sage. The sage said this, Anyone living long enough will slip into a deep hole and cry up for help. Three hands will appear. The hand of a hustler, the hand of a riddler, and the hand of a clown. Choose wisely, or you will be buried there. Lewis, what will you do? It's a good question. Um, I, I think I should start off by saying which one I, I shouldn't choose. <laughs> okay. Um, so I wouldn't choose a hustler. And the answer for that is simple. A hustler will always seek to get an advantage over me. Mm. So his main goal will be to somehow do something or make me do something that will put him in an advantage over me. So it will always be two steps behind a hustler. So I'm not grabbing his hand. He can go away. Because um, even if he gets me out, he's still going to be better off than I will be. Mm. So I don't like that. Um, so you, you leave me the clown and, and the Riddler. Um, I'm not going to go with the Riddler. Um, and, and the answer is simple as that is that I don't think truth his truth will not be my truth mm-hmm. um, so the answers to his questions will never be the same answers as mine so I'll probably give him an answer and I'll debate it and he'll give me another and then we'll start talking about epistemology and then he'll <laughs> never give me the right one so um, I never picked the Riddler because I love debating people and I think we'll constantly be debating um so bye bye Riddler. We're, we would have we would probably have wonderful conversations, but at that time I don't think I would want to talk to anybody. They were stuck in a deep hole, so that leaves me the clown. And the reason why I would want the clown is I I think clowns are, are looked badly upon. When I think I mean they make you laugh. Why would I not want somebody that would make me laugh? Sure, he would play a joke or two, but I think I've come to learn in life that sometimes you have to laugh at yourself. So yeah, he might you know spray me with some funny goo or make me trip every now and then but if you don't learn to laugh at yourself then how can you laugh at others so I think I would pick the clown even if if he would make me do all this type of funny stuff but it's funny Mm. I love laughter I love laughing so why I think the obvious answer I think that most people should pick (coughs) would be the clown I mean why wouldn't you he's gonna make you giggle Um, so that that's my answer I, I totally would go with clown well, thank you much, You're Lewis. Welcome. And Lewis, I'm so glad that you came on the program. Well, thank you for having me. It was quite moving listening to you, and I trust it will be the same for all of the Oh, events. I hope so. And if I bored you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I doubt that you did. Thank you so much. Thank you. Four other honorees at the Respect Awards include Lifetime Achievement Award, Marilyn and Jeffrey Katzenberg, Inspiration Award, Simon Halls and Matt Bomer, Chairman's Award, Bob and Harvey Weinstein, and a special recognition to Adam Fitzgerald. The 8th Annual Gala honored the individual and corporate leaders who have helped propel Glisson's vision to make schools safe for all students. It was co-chaired by Linda Bell Blue, executive producer, Entertainment Tonight, 
Bonnie Curtis, film producer, Albert Knobs, Red Eye, Minority Report, Donald DeLine, film producer, Green Lantern, I Love You, Man, Observe and Report, Dave Carger, senior writer, Entertainment Weekly, David Phoenix, interior designer, and Chip Sullivan, head of publicity, DreamWorks Studios. The standing question is this. Is anyone inspired by your life today? See you next week.